welcome to season three of Community, a podcast by CivSource Africa. This season, we relight the campfire and continue to delve into the endless stream of African generosity. Join us on this leg of the journey into unpacking and celebrating giving and Ubuntu in Uganda and across this vast continent. We would love to hear from you. You can catch us every Thursday on Anchor or on the CivSource website. Welcome to today's conversation. In conversation with us today is an amazing woman. She is Fiona Navasa Wall, the new president of the Uganda Law Society. I had the privilege and honor of interacting with Fiona for three whole days when she attended the Civ Source yeah. Leaders Retreat early this year. And now fast forward to November, she is the president of the whole of all the lawyers. Anyhow, we're so happy to have you, Fiona. Please tell our listeners a bit about yourself. Thank you, Jackie. The pleasure is all mine. My name is Fiona Nawasawol, as you said. I am a mother, I'm a wife. Uh, I have been a wife for 14 years. I've been a mother for 13 years. Fiona does not know how long she has been a mother. Children, (laughs) beware. My son is making that in next year. No, just teasing you, just teasing you. So I have three kids, and for me, those two things are very big in Mm -hmm, my life. I'm mm -hmm. a Christian, I'm a lawyer. I, yes, I'm humbled to be the president of the Uganda Law Society and I also work as the head of legal at National Water and Sewage Corporation. Okay, and since I'm a lawyer too, and therefore she's my president, I'm currently doing this podcast while standing because when you're <laughs> with your president, you have to stand. Anyhow, Fiona, Source is passionate about telling stories of generosity, of philanthropy, of Ubuntu of yeah. Omutima Omugavi. Yeah. And so as we start this conversation, I'd like you to take us way back in time. What was your earliest memory of experiencing or seeing generosity in action? I think one of my earliest memories was a, a custom my mom had. Um, I lived on a road called Chira Road in Jinja. And my mom had this custom of inviting people over. Uh, from church. Uh, so everybody on my street would come home every Sunday and have lunch. I don't know how she could cook so much food, but there's always so much food at home. And uh, it became a culture for her. And I've seen that also come kind of happen in my life. The other experience of generosity I had was with my grandmother. My grandmother um, was one of my favorite people from the time I was about three years old, as, as early as I can remember. And one of the things she used to do is Every time everybody anybody gave her a gift, she would first think, who can I give it to? Wow. So yes. My first open shoes were from my grandmother, and they were brand new because yeah, I was really tall. Yeah. My first watch was from my grandmother. And these were really dear gifts. Some My aunties and uncles, my mom, they would buy her things from abroad, and she'd just give them to us, you know? So that those were my first experiences of generosity. No, and I, I was saying yes, yes, because <laughs> we too used to go and visit my mom's mom in Kambuga, take yeah. her all this oh, stuff, and then she repacks the things to start to give out to like, no, those things are yours. 
yours don't you <laughs> but yeah very yeah. very interesting that even when you and that's the beauty of the cycle of our generosity right yes. like there's no permanent receiver no, no permanent giver it is a cycle, a cycle and you give what you have yes. right? that's why going to the village on christmas and easter was work you had to show you had to uh, pick out all your clothes that look nice mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. don't fit you anymore and your shoes and pack them. And sometimes they'll even make us pack them in, in, in packages that had names on them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because you are, you, you are expected to give. Uh, it's a culture uh, as a country. I don't think in people in Uganda visit empty-handed. Yeah, when yeah. you're going to visit somebody, you, you know, you, you carry, carry something. A, I, my mom taught me to carry milk and bread. I don't know why, but... <laughs> something i carry so i i remember going to the village and going at we had a, a church called nyarugunda in kambuga also mm-hmm. from there and uh people would go with bananas and things people don't go to church empty-handed at all with even an egg like first people, harvest. Yes, yes. yes so for me i think growing up generosity was everywhere yeah yeah and then fast forward to today, the story I'd like to link to generosity because I saw a bit of it yeah. was your run for the presidency of the Uganda Law Society. Yes. So tell us how generosity played a part in getting you to where you are now. Oh, it was huge. Um, it started with the Safe Source Retreat, I, I'll say that, because uh, from the time that uh, we, we did that in January, I think the first week of January, I met a cohort there, the cohort that I met, one of the ladies decided to be my chairperson of my uh, my committee for campaigning. The first thing that happened is that during that meeting, I had not really declared, I think only one person knew, and the ladies just gathered around me and prayed for me, and then they decided they were going to be my support system. Leaving that meeting, I didn't think I'd see most of them again, because yes. they were really not in my circles, yeah. but they were lawyers. And I want to tell you that up to this day, they have been with me throughout and their loyalty has been amazing. They've given up their money, their time, their resources, they've covered me, uh, they've defended me. I used to find random people. Some of them, you'd just find them on groups just defending me. So for them to take up my cause as their own could not have been more generous. Mm -hmm. But I gave out masks and people don't know the story behind the masks. A lawyer, a lawyer who, who does uh, graphics and all these things happens to have a father who's a judge and and this is a father who knows me personally and he told him, I want to do business for Fiona during the campaign but how do I help her? And he told him, ah, you talk to her but Fiona likes quality. So this young man shows up in my office and says, I want you to do masks for, for lawyers. I said, wow, yes, this is very good. This is COVID. Let's do the masks. And he's like, I've already done a sample for you. I know you're all about faithful, available, teachable, but I want to put on your face. So I'm like, no, let's make them faithful, available, teachable. And uh, he did some, he'd already done samples by the time he came and I liked them. And I remember that uh, at the time he came, I didn't even have money. So I asked people, guys, this is what I want to produce. And everybody was like, how much are they? Can we buy them? And I said, no, we want to give them out for free. And so someone inboxed me, one of the ladies on that group, and said, Fiona, you're going to need money for campaigns. I said, no, God will provide. So she said, okay, I'm giving you money. Then she started a, 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 a run. And what amazed me is even young students would send me 50000 and say, please buy masks, you know. 
uh, I had uh, former my former boss, who's not even a lawyer, just called me and said, Fiona, I met somebody and told me you're running for president. I said, yes. He's like, and he was wearing a mask, a fat mask, and he said, it's your mask. I said, yes. He's like, I'm sending you money right now. Yes, for and for those who don't know uh, who are outside Uganda, fat was the platform on which Fiona ran, which yeah. is faithful. Eth available, teachable. Faithful, available, teachable. Which is really yes. about ethical practice, yeah. about a bar association that's, that's faithful to its mandate, available to its stakeholders, and teachable in its reputation. Mm -hmm. So a group of young lawyers, uh, a mix of young lawyers that I mentor and young students got together and formed something called the Fat uh, the Fat Generation. They call themselves a Fiona Wall Diehards, and that really scared me because I was thinking, is this a cult? Mm -hmm. But the most amazing thing with those young people is they wore t-shirts, they branded themselves with their own resources. Mm -hmm. They started a Facebook page. Uh, some of them started doing graphics for me. Half the graphics I did during my campaign, I did not even design. I just find them out there and the most amazing wow. thing was that some these were lawyers these were lawyers who are giving of their music there's even one who sang songs you know patriotic songs with my name and fat and everything there about about ethical practice coming back to the law society so people were, were just investing their creativity into this campaign my parents were praying people mm -hmm. were gathering together and asking what can we do i will never forget national water and sewage corporation because i remember my md saying uh, don't you need an endorsement and giving me an endorsement i remember my my boss telling me don't you need to t go and leave i told her no i'm not going to go and leave i'll just use my lunch time to campaign and she said well it's okay um in the last two weeks i'm going to still give you leave so that in case you need to go away wow. for me that was amazing to have the, my my workmates walk with me every lunchtime to law firms to ask for votes was amazing to have uh, senior lawyers call me and tell me i am going to call the following 10 people to come and vote for you was amazing uh, one of the most amazing things was having senior lawyers call me and say but you haven't been to my farm come i'm organizing my team to just talk to you you know so in-house counsel people fought wars on my behalf uh, one of the most amazing things was the honorable speaker we went to her office over the legal aid project and and she told me but you're running i said yes I, then she she called me after the meeting and said what can i do for you and I remember someone behind me, behind her, I think a politician that she was talking to was showing the cash sign like, oh, you're going to get cash. And, and I told her, would you, would you endorse me? And she said, yes. Then I told her, oh, by the way, but we're two ladies in the campaign, but would you endorse me? She said, yes, but you're a member of FIDA. I've seen you, you've served. So yes, I'll endorse you. So I pulled out my phone and she gave me an endorsement. And that ladies and gentlemen was amazing it yes, was life-changing yes. and the other thing that amazed me even more was that after the after the after the win when we invited her to come and grace our thanksgiving lunch she showed up and she spent five hours with us and 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 she in her statement she said that um all her life she's been giving to the cause of women and she felt that this was a transformation she needed to be part of but she literally laid it, laid it because when she spoke FIDA, the members of FIDA, I think, were like, yes, even the senior members got on board. The other thing that I found extremely generous were organizations that chose to support me. The Institute of Corporate Governance wrote to their members about me. FIDA wrote to their members about me. For me, that was awe-inspiring. Mm -hmm. 
I had not seen those organizations just wake up and be behind somebody. For people to trust you that much takes a giving heart. And for me, I, I cannot say that this campaign in any way broke me because I, I was standing on the shoulders of giants. Wow. That's a story that needs a pause <laughs> before you ask the next one. But yes, because it's amazing. I think hearing your story and knowing that Uganda right now is going through an electioneering process yes. where many women, of course, are offering themselves for office and how we don't often tell the story of how the generosity of women helps propel women into public office. Mm. And, um, but that's, you know, that's, that's a whole other podcast for another day, a whole <laughs> book waiting to happen or several mm. books waiting to happen. Now, if we think about the legal fraternity that you had, yes. as often happens, one assumes or, or, you know, people assume, you know, lawyers are out there in their own world and the rest of us that are unlearned are out here in our own world. So what does generosity look like within the fraternity? Within does the it happen? People, I think, yes. often assume, you know, lawyers are these mean-faced, mukonogamu, tight-fisted <laughs> people but is 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 that your experience of lawyers i think not the reason i was i have been a part of the society leadership for a long time was because i really fell in love with uganda law society and what we are able to do and what we actually do as vice president i was leading the legal aid project of the uganda law society it's the largest in the country it has 21 22 legal aid clinics all over the country and it also has and and yes they're donor funded but the resources that we use are external lawyers. And we have a huge legal aid uh, pro bono project that's now 10 years old. The legal aid project is 27 years old. Mm -hmm. So the pro bono project is now 12 years old. And the pro bono project has 2,700 lawyers that are registered who give pro bono services annually. And because of them, we've been able to uh, represent over 65,000 people in Uganda. And... Um, Currently, we have about uh, 5,000 prisoners that we are, that we are, which is about 10% of the prison population that we are re representing. These people are doing these things free of charge. Mm -hmm. We give them almost, we only give them fi filing fees and nothing else. And what astounded me was uh, the, the lockdown. The three months of the lockdown were amazing for me because um, we were locked down, lawyers were locked up, who we were not essential services. But um, the SGBV cases that kept happening, we had given people uh, toll-free lines and we had lawyers on call at police stations, at courts, and we were able to do 5,000 cases because wow. lawyers walked from their homes. Yes. If you remember the story of the grandmother who was being beaten, yes. our lawyers walked from their homes and walked miles. And one of them is a very, very senior lawyer. He's mm -hmm. in his 60s, mm -hmm. but he walked miles with a bicycle. I, I don't think he rode all the way just to get to that woman's house and mm -hmm. solve that problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have pictures of lawyers uh, jumping over, you know, these, these, these seasonal rivers. Yes, yes. You know, he's holding a bicycle and jumping over a river yes, so he can, yes. move, he can cross over mm -hmm. and go to a village and find a yeah, client. Yeah. So 
I keep I keep saying pro bono is our superhero suit, you know, mm. when we are able to be the voice in Proverbs thirty nine verse nine for thirty one verse nine it talks about being the voice for those that don't have it, uh, standing up for those that cannot speak for themselves and and lawyers have been doing this for ages. But for me the most amazing thing is when you even see senior lawyers doing it. Yeah. We have state briefs. Now state briefs are people who have been given capital offenses, murder and all these serious capital things. sentences. Capital sentences. Mm-hmm. No, not sentences yet. Or who are capital being charged offenses, with capital yes. offenses. Okay. So it's either murder or something. Mm-hmm. These are serious mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Serious offenses. You'd you'd not even want to associate with these people. But most of our senior lawyers are actually giving of their time. Mr. Kavega was one of my first uh, bosses and I have seen him, you know, deal with Seri- very serious state briefs. But now we also have what we call uh, public interest litigation that lawyers do. The reason we don't smoke in public places is because senior lawyers like Philip Kargava went to court at their own expense and, and fought for, for such noble causes. So there's a lot of generosity within the law society. We've done uh, clinics. We have pro bono days where 1,500 lawyers for the past two years have been showing up every pro bono day all over the country to represent clients. We've been able to service about 4,000 clients on each of those days. And for me, that's an amazing testimony mm-hmm. of generosity. Mm-hmm. Because you know, a lawyer's billable, which we charge in hours. Uh, so for a lawyer to be at, at a place all day long, we have a duty council scheme that has 50 lawyers that are stationed at, at different stations. This duty council scheme takes hours and hours out of these people's schedules. And you know how much we pay them? 50,000 shillings a month. Yeah, that is barely, <laughs> what? Yet they're it's on not call. even $20. No. Yeah. And yet they're on call. Yeah. They're on call. They're called at midnight. They're called at, at any time mm-hmm. because they've offered their time. When I meet these people, it transforms you. I, I started my life in the legal aid clinic at the LDC, and that's all we were doing. And lawyers were there were not being paid. They were volunteer officers. I was mm-hmm. a volunteer officer. My mother used to say, but madam, I'm the one paying you to go to work. What is this? You know, but it paid off. True story from my parents me. as well. <laughs> because it trained me. So yes, yes, institutions yes. like FIDA, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this, this is what these officers are doing, yeah. the volunteers. Mm-hmm. And I really think in Ghana, the pupils, what the young lawyers are, are obligated to volunteer for a year, sort of like an, inter- mm-hmm. an internship. But I'm thinking since we do it so much in Uganda, that's something we could also look at adopting. But I can assure you, lawyers, are always giving. When you go to the Rotary Club of the Rotary International, I'm proud to say that a lot of their leaders, a lot of their members are lawyers because this act of giving is not new to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. It's just that we do not document it enough. Everybody, every organization calls it CSR, but for us it's an obligation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's very powerful. And so you've defined lawyers as givers externally. What does the picture look like internally? internally? Do lawyers give to themselves, they to their do. causes? Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of lawyers that mentor mm-hmm. young people, that spend a lot of time with young people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the patron of the, um, of the KIU Law Society, but also the University Association of, lawyer, of mm-hmm. Law Students. And KIU is? Kampala International University Law School, yes. So you find that a lot of our lawyers are patrons of these universities are mentors they teach uh, some of their teaching um, for instance the, there's a lot of voluntary hours that they give at the LDC that's the law development 
center the back course they provide young lawyers with opportunities for internships mm-hmm. there's no law firm that will turn away an intern unless it's a, just a space issue they might not have money to pay you but yes. they will not g- take away a res- a, an opportunity i've never seen a law firm that that has raised a lawyer refused to recommend them for a job we do um a lot of what you call it we do a lot of um trainings uh like continuing legal education and a lot of our lawyers give of their time for free to do these trainings uh right now i'm very proud to say that we've been doing a lot of online trainings all these sessions you've been seeing these lawyers are paid nothing for mm-hmm. their time and they're mm-hmm. senior lawyers and their billables are huge who would not be able to afford them yeah. if were, if yeah. they were charging mm-hmm. another thing i'm very grateful for is that uh, when one of us has one of us has a problem like unfortunately we lost somebody uh, today one of our members to covid no yesterday actually and and the even funeral services tomorrow i know there'll be thousands of lawyers mm-hmm. there okay covid maybe might hinder it but we are always there for each other and we've had some lawyers for instance uh Kansura Kakuzi is abroad but he was telling me right now for treatment he was telling me about his senior members giving $5000 contributing all their billables mm-hmm. from a particular client for his treatment we have Kansu Moses who's been going for um dialysis dialysis mm-hmm. um for almost two years now and he he was telling me the extraordinary story of the generosity of lawyers yeah. because he's able to only do that because for two years not been able to really live an active life yeah. so and the dialysis is almost 2 million daily it's it's ridiculous yeah. it is expensive but he yeah. has only been able to afford it because of lawyers so we do care for our own and uh, I'm proud to say that I have learned a lot about generosity from the law society. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, it is it's it's amazing. And thank you for for telling us about these stories. And as you were speaking last week when we ran this podcast, mm. we spoke to Mr. Shem Opolot yes. who runs an organization called The Good Currency. And what he tries to do through the good currency is connect people who want to do good to those that need, need doing it. good but yeah. also to measure mm-hmm. the good done. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we we can measure, you know, cents and shillings. Yeah. I think it's the time, the mentorship, the teaching, mm-hmm. the pro bono hours, the the hours doctors give when they go to these rotary medical yes, uh, camps, the, camps, the mobile legal clinics that 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 lawyers do. He is finding a way to also count that amazing. giving yeah that's amazing and and because that then helps to tell the true story mm-hmm. of how much giving happens um all across this country from you all types of professions you know the corporate world is very open and and they advertise how much they give mm-hmm. a lot and i think that maybe if we also as an organization were to also talk about how much we give would encourage even more giving mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because as i speak we are right now giving to the societies of the other associations you know we we have some litigation going on where the trade licensing act was trying to affect lawyers and we managed to win in court so the other organizations said but we are also professionals we need this help so we're doing it right now free of charge as a law society and um if we give if we if if we're more aware and purposeful the way um, multinationals and other organizations are i think maybe that's what i would say is lacking that mm-hmm. we're not very purposeful about 
computing how much someone is giving and recognizing it. Um, I think recognition is very important. Mm -hmm. In Rotary, they give you different budgets according mm -hmm. to the value you've given. Yes, they actually yes, keep yes. tabs mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. how much you mm -hmm. give. Yeah. But in um, the law society, we've only been giving maybe a pro bono award here and there. But I think that speaking to you now, I'm thinking we should start looking into how much we can honor people for, for, for giving of their For their time. generosity. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And as we wind down this conversation, looking at the next generation of, of lawyers to come, what would you as Fiona want to tell them what 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 last words as we end this podcast mm. yeah what would you tell a young lawyer i would up? tell them that um you are here because of someone's generosity mm -hmm. you should pay it forward and i'd also tell them that there's nothing that you there's no time no free time no volunteerism that anyone has ever given and it goes in vain because mm -hmm. that's why the world is round the earth is round everything is round it comes round mm -hmm. and one of the things i've learned about being in the law society at one point you're the intern at the other point you have the power to give someone an internship so it's how you use your time when you have opportunity when you have a skill that someone needs right now even a law student knows more about the law than their society. Mm -hmm. So let them start with their community. Let them start where they are. Because while you're doing that, you are getting something you'd never get anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Experience. I volunteered at the legal aid clinic of the, of the LDC, of the Law Development Center, for about three years of my law school. And by the time I left, I got a job as, at an NGO to manage it, uh, called Candlelight Foundation, because of the experience I had gained. I was the only young person of that age that had three years experience mm -hmm. as a volunteer legal officer, as a volunteer officer. So one of the things we need to understand is that the experience you get, uh, something like legal aid, something like volunteering uh, at a law firm and doing whatever research, doing research for professors when you're a student, it gives you such an insurmountable amount of experience that you'd never get anywhere else. And you do not know when you will need that experience. Mm -hmm. But I also want to say that there's no great person in this world that has ever succeeded without giving of themselves. Mm -hmm. So what, whatever you have right now, in form of skill, you might not have resources, but the greatest resource is your mind. Yeah. And if you can give of your mind as a lawyer, the world is yours. Yeah. Yeah. Because the world will work at giving back to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much, Fiona. Thank you for spending time with us. Thank you. And we wish you very well Thank in this year that you are president of the Uganda Law Society. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you.